All right, so welcome back. Here we are on Bike Talk. Uh, I'm Justin Resnick from the UCLA Bike Coalition, representing UCLA, and I'm here with... I'm with uh, Maddie Brosen, and I work at UCLA as research staff for the Complete Streets Initiative. I think we're going to hear about some woes and wonders, what, what we're calling it. I think we're going to go with wows and woes. Wows and woes. Okay. For this one. So, about bike commuting around to UCLA? or uh, We're, we're going to have a little bit from elsewhere around the city, and then also a little bit to UCLA about some of you, the best and worst of your bike commute. So we've got on the line with us, uh, we've got Lars from the Downey Bicycle Coalition. So Lars, are you, are you here with us? Yes, I'm delighted to be here. Um, if uh, Let me tell you a little bit about my biking experience. I'm not really a long-term bicyclist. I started riding bicycles mostly around Downey uh, just for local commutes when I retired for a period a couple of years ago, but I came out of retirement and decided it might be kind of nice to commute to my old workplace on bicycle, which is in Culver City. So um, I uh, kind of worked up to it. My first tryout, it was before I actually went back to work last year on bike to work day. I, I gave it a shot just for the experience. And then when I, uh, sometime in, I think, late fall or winter, I started doing it. And I've probably not done it more than 20 or 24 times total. But um, I, I have this tremendous ride across town, usually in the dark of night because my work starts at 7.30 in the morning. Um, and then generally I'm, I'm riding home the same distance um, by 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And it's about a 35-mile round trip. And it's it kind of divides itself in thirds. Uh, the first third leaving Downey kind of through back residential and industrial streets, I get into Vernon and I follow a railroad, uh, a parallel street to a railroad where there's very few cross, uh, cross streets and passing lanes. And even though there's some truck traffic, there's all kinds of space. Then I get into East L.A. for a little while, and then I pick up um, uh, the, a westerly route to Culver City at USC um, where I've got bike lanes the last third of the ride. Great. So now what, what does that stretch from USC to Culver City? What do you, what's that stretch you like to take? Um, I'm taking Exposition Boulevard most of the way because uh, it runs parallel with the new Expo line. And as part of the improvements, the infrastructure improvements they put in with the Expo line, they've got bicycle lanes both, both directions uh, petering out at, I think it's Rickenbacker Square just before USC, and basically going all the way to La Cienega in Culver City. There's one jog from Exposition Boulevard up to um, Pico Boulevard, yep. I think it is. Um, and so I've got bike lanes that, that third of the ride. So how um, how has that changed? Have, have the bike lanes helped you feel you know more ready to ride, more confident in that stretch? Because they're pretty recent safer. things. Um, there's, um, I mean, the bike lanes are not perfect because they're, as I'm sure all your listeners know, bike lanes kind of share the asphalt and the concrete of the curb structure, and you're trying to stay on the smoothest part and. There's inevitably a few things in the curb, but the lanes add a lot. And in fact, during the, I would say, maybe it's four or five months, I've done it 
on a, at most, I would say, a semi-regular basis. They've actually added another mile of bike lanes in L.A. City proper on Jefferson Boulevard as you kind of head um, west to uh, Figueroa. So the bike lanes are a pretty strong source of comfort because you, for me, I have the feeling that, that drivers know, you know, are, are conscious of, of the fact that that is for bicyclists. Now, that said, um, I've almost never come across any discourteous drivers since I've been doing this. They give me a wide berth on those industrial streets. Um, they're courteous everywhere. The biggest downside of that commute is there's so many lights going west on exposition, and there's no, there's no, no way a cyclist has access to changing the lights other than jumping off and you know hitting and hitting the sidewalk for the pedestrian signals. Well, yeah, that's that's really great to hear. I mean, I, I wish more people kind of had that no complaints about bike commuting, but I, I think it's kind of a showing a bit of the changing culture in, in the L.A. bike scene. Have you noticed any, like, more riders out or any kind of changes just over time um, uh, since you've been doing this commute? Um, at, uh, at 5 to 6.30 in the morning when I'm out there, there aren't too many folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't I, be Yeah, um, I, could, I could see that. At, uh, at 3... And four in the afternoon, I, I will say there have been a couple of times then. I mean, there, rarely have I been near other cyclists for anything more than a few seconds, but there have been a couple of times when I was <coughs> riding along with three or four other riders, and each of us obviously had different kinds of agenda. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that stretch of lane that goes, um, that goes from USC to... Um, to Culver City, that goes down into the Bologna Creek Reser- Reservoir, so you can you can go the rest of way, the way to the beach. And there's a lot of you know hardcore res- recreational cyclists all decked out in the right kind of gear who are taking those. And I'll see those sometimes early and sometimes late. Um, I wouldn't say I've seen a trend, but there's definitely um, there, there's definitely some traffic out there. Yeah. Now, since we're talking about wows and woes, I'm still way in the wow category, but once in a while, it's a real annoyance to see some neighborhood bicyclist on the left side, of the left, left-hand side of the street, and that's kind of a, that's a disappointment. You, you mean kind of wrong way riding on the street? Yeah. Or? yeah, they're riding in the lanes, but they're riding opposite, you know, illegally, opposite my riding on the, on the, on the right-hand side of the street. They're riding on the left-hand in the bicycle lane. Hmm. So there's some ignorance out there. Yeah, the you know, I think there's a lot of educational opportunities for kind of improving that. Well, you know, we hope that you you stay in, in the in the wondrous and in the, in the wow category. And you know, thanks, thanks. for sharing such a, a great bike commute story. Okay, it's a pleasure, and it, it it's been fun. It's an adrenaline rush morning and afternoon. It makes it worth going to work. It's it's great stuff. Well, great. Thanks so much, Lars. Thanks, um, Lars. Yeah, I think we're going to take another call from now a UCLA bike commuter. Um, so Many thanks. Pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, thanks so much, Lars. Bye. All right, so jumping over to, uh, to Dan Robin. Dan, are you there with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, hi, Dan. How are you doing tonight? I'm good tonight. How are you doing? Good. So you want to introduce yourself and kind of your associations with what do you do at UCLA and, and how long you've been riding? 
Sure. So, um, well, I've been riding my bike since I was a uh, wee tot. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a town where we um, we all rode our bikes to school. It was very very small suburban town. Um, so I kind of you know fell out of riding my bike in high school because I wanted to be a cool kid with my you know manual stick car. And then uh, when I moved to New York City, I got back into riding bikes. Um, so I've been in LA for a few years now and, uh, I'm at planning school at UCLA. So, um, most days I, I bike commute to UCLA. Um, if I'm not biking, usually taking the bus and every once in a while I drive, but, uh, um, I'm lucky. I have a very easy bike commute. Um, it's pretty much all on neighborhood streets and the streets that aren't neighborhood, they either have lanes or, uh, they have shadows. And so, um, Kind of like the previous caller, you know, I, I, I feel lucky. I don't have any really bad experiences. It's a nice ride. It's all uphill, so I get a good workout, and it's all downhill on the way home, which is quite nice. Yeah, so, so Justin and I were kind of talking earlier about, you know, there's kind of a push and pull between neighborhood streets and arterials in terms of how direct, you know. How, do, you, do you go out of your way to take neighborhood streets in your commute? So I'm, I just live in a place where the most direct route for me actually is on neighborhood streets. And if I were to take arterials, I would actually go out of my way. Now, sometimes, you know, if I'm on the other side of campus, I have to take arterials home or, or, or something. And that's not as enjoyable, but, um, you know, I've been, I've been riding a long time and I feel kind of tempered against traffic. So. Um, so where are you street. coming from and where are you coming from and then when you're going to UCLA most times, Dan, what's oh, your route? Yeah. So I, I was in Palms and, uh, I take, um, motor, uh, motor Avenue North, which has a brand new, really nice bike lane. Um, and then I cut through some neighborhood streets in Chevy Hills, uh, and I wind up on a street called Prosser which is good because it has lights across Pico and Olympic and the light at Santa Monica. And on the other side of Santa Monica, it turns into a street called Westholm. And Westholm has um, roundabouts and shadows, and uh, cyclists may use full lane signs. And so it's, it's really nice and easy. It takes me almost exactly where I need to go on campus. Yeah, it sounds like you've got the pretty idyllic commute. Did, did, you, did you do a bike map to figure out where you wanted to rent your apartment by campus? Oh, no, I, I didn't. It actually just worked out this way. Lucky. I, my roommate and I are, were both kind of bike commuters, and so we knew that Palms would be a good neighborhood for us to live in, um, but uh, not, you know, no, no farther down than, than neighborhood-wise. We didn't look at specific intersections or, or specific sections of Palms. Well, glad it worked out so well. I mean, is this your experience kind of biking? You know, it sounds like you're someone that really bikes a lot kind of as their mode of transportation. Do you find that kind of the same experience along other streets in Los Angeles or is this kind of more specific or, you know, do you just end up lucky? What, what do you think? Well, I, I think I've been lucky. I, I, I feel pretty confident in my riding ability and I don't feel like I take very many chances. And, and so I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I've had nothing, pretty much nothing but good experiences. You know, every once in a while I get an, an ignorant motorist. Uh, excuse me. Every once in a while I get an ignorant motorist, but, you know, there are lots of ignorant cyclists out there too. So just gotta just got to live with humanity, basically. <laughs> Take the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, <clears throat> do you have uh, you have any particular stories uh, other than your average commute? The kind of the, the best and the worst. Some of the things you that really stick out in your mind about your bike commuting around between whether it be to campus or just kind of around your neighborhood. Well, I you know I sometimes I, I leave campus and I go over to Mar Vista or Venice and I I take Ohio to Barrington and it always feels really good to go past all the cars that are in line and know that I'm going to get to my destination faster than all of them, even though, you know, that's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, so that's really satisfying. And, uh, and uh, I just, I like that feeling of, of seeing those windows rush by me on my, uh, on my left side. How, how often do you choke back saying suckers solve them as they're sitting in traffic? <laughs> uh, I usually don't say it, but... <laughs> It's a polite cyclist, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so, Dan, you've also you've done some work with uh, with a bike shop down in the kind of Marvist area. You want to talk a little bit a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I'm a volunteer at a bike cooperative called the Microwave, uh, like microwave, but Microwave. Um, and so, we are a community based uh, teaching shop. Um, people who want to work on their bikes or maybe, you know, if they need the tune-up, they can come in. And uh, we ask for $7 hourly rate, and in return they get a volunteer mechanic, um, a repair stand, and all the tools that a professional shop has. And so uh, if people have things that they want to work on, the volunteers will take the patrons through whatever that that is. So, you know, we I feel like I, I see this kind of experience where someone will come in with their bike and they're like, you know, you know I don't, I don't know. It's not really working right. And then, uh, we go like, Oh, okay. Well, you got through your wheel or we got to recable your brakes. And, um, and then like an hour later, they, they are leaving with a huge smile on their face and they can't believe that it was so easy to fix. Uh, customers are, are really happy with the chance to learn to do something for themselves on their bicycle. Um, most bike maintenance is actually deceptively easy and simple. You just need someone who is educated to be able to explain it to you. So, um, you know, you could pay $50 to have a shop work on your bike and not learn anything about it, or you could come to us and pay $7, and um, you would get to learn all the skills for yourself. It's a pretty good sales pitch for uh, community bike co-ops there. Yeah, so- it's awesome. Everyone's so now, good. Dan, it sounds like you've uh, you've kind of become the mechanical whiz. So, what? How did you get there? Did you learn your learn the ropes of bike wave yourself, or did you have experience before you got there? I had a little experience. Um, I uh, I would kind of um, how do I say this? Rescue abandoned bikes from the streets of New York when I was living there, and uh, and I would recondition them. And so I learned a lot that way. Um, and then when I moved to Los Angeles, I started volunteering there, and I learned a lot, a lot more there. So, um, yeah, if anyone out there has a French bike and they are really confused about how to work on it, I can totally help you out with that. Come by. All right. Well, Dan, Robin, thank you very much. We're going to bring you and Bike Wave all the tough ones. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for sharing with us your, your wows and your woes. Sounds like it's been mostly wows for you. That's good to hear. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Take care. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's so it's so encouraging to see people that are so interested. You know, like and very anecdotally, you know, I just feel like there's been a lot more people bike riding, and 
Uh, I'm kind of a prolific tweeter myself, and uh, so you know, I, I've been I kind of compose tweets while I was biking, but I then I get home and I'm so excited I'm not going to do it. But like on Thursday night, I was biking home and I saw four other cyclists kind of on fairly major thoroughfares, and third of them did like a vehicular left hand turn. You know, it was just kind of a, a, a note of that people are getting more confident about cycling that you know it doesn't have to be on every big street but the, it was just it just feels like there's more people yeah you know yeah you're definitely seeing more folks out now and maddie you just re- described some of the, the vehicular left turns so you know, do you want to you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what that means in, so, in bike nerd speak yeah in bike nerd speak um you know that there's kind of is if you're wanting to make uh, left hand turn. Let's say you know you're you're going you're you're riding on Seventh uh, Street and, and you want to uh, turn onto Kingsley or some some street. Well, you know if if you're think about if you're a pedestrian, so you're walking, you're going to take the sidewalk, you're going to get to the corner, you'll cross one leg of the crosswalk, and then you'll wait and you'll cross again. Well, if you think about how a car would do it, it would just get in the most left hand lane and make a left hand turn, only be able to do that kind of in one motion. Well, you know, I think that's kind of a sign of of strong, confident cyclists is making that turn like you're in a car. So you have to really get ready, check over your shoulder, and make sure you're signaling so cars know that you're going to be going into that left-hand lane, and then just making that turn so you're not interfering with pedestrians on the sidewalk. You know, you're being more direct. and Fast uh, and easy. Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, it's about it's having the confidence to do it. And when I saw other people do it, I saw two women do it. Um, you know, it was just it was just fascinating, you know, because, um, you know, when women are kind of a, an indicator for how safe people really feel when they're biking. So um, I think the more when we're seeing women that are cycling around, it's kind of one of the signals that uh, things are, are getting kind of safe. So, you know, that I could see not just women biking, but women that were biking and doing that kind of in a confident way was was really exciting. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I think we actually have one more caller that's joined us. So let's see if Megan is here. Let's see. Megan, can you hear us? Yes, I can. All right, great. So we've now got Megan Cavanaugh with us. So Megan, we're just—I'm here with Maddie Brosen. We're, we're we're hosting Bike Talk, and we're talking a little bit. Uh, we had a couple co- people calling with their wows and their woes, the best and worst of their bike commutes. Uh, we were just talking, Maddie and I, about some of the the kind of improvements we've seen out there on the streets you see more people riding and people riding more confidently but i know you and i have talked before about some of the challenges you've had now that you're starting to commute to ucla so um yeah so do you want to tell us a little bit about you know where you're coming from and what you're doing at ucla and and just some of your best and worst of your bike commute sure sure i used to be a really avid bike commuter um i would ride my bike actually from my house in hollywood to my work in burbank um, and I would ride over the Kuanga Pass in the middle of the night, and I did it regularly. But since I've come to grad school at UCLA, I've actually stopped bike commuting because I find that the harassment that I'm getting from drivers in Westwood is just far and above anything that I've ever experienced on my bike. And it just becomes so stressful and draining just dealing with the abuse, not even the physical riding that I've actually just, I, I don't ride my bike to UCLA anymore. Yeah, and it's, and it's a shame to hear because I know, you know, you and I, we rode together a couple times sort of <laughs> early in the year, 
and uh, and you know it seemed seemed smooth enough. But I, I gotta say, I have heard some stories about people you know just getting honked at and stuff more frequently. So, what, did they, did you notice? Did they just start getting worse over time, or, or what? What was going on with your with your commute there? Well, it may be related to the time of day that I go, but um, I find that especially Ohio Avenue is the worst harassment that I've ever had in my bicycling career. Um, I will ride down Ohio, which is, um, I'm not sure if you discussed the way the street is oriented yet, but it's one lane each direction, and there's really not room to share the lane. Uh, because there's parked cars on the side of the narrow lanes, and so you really have to take that lane for safety. But because people use Ohio as a cut-through route to avoid Santa Monica Boulevard, they get even more agitated if anything slows them down even slightly on Ohio. And, I mean, I've been called horrible names on Ohio. I've had people swerve at me, tell me that they'd prefer to kill me than be late. So it's... It's very stressful in Ohio, which, you know, I think could be remedied with something as simple as one traffic diverter somewhere between Westwood Boulevard and the freeway. Because yeah, I think that's, that's one thing we all... That's one thing I think we all, all as bike commuters from the West Side dream about is being able to have Ohio as a, a bike boulevard or, you know, kind of a bicyclist-only street. Man, would that be something? So I think that saying it needs to be a bicyclist-only street is... You know, not probably the best way to win over neighbors, but it would be <laughs> safer for them, quieter for them to have even just one traffic diverter so they could drive to their house, so they could pull out of their driveways, and it, it would just be easier overall for everyone in that neighborhood. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, Maddie, you know, we were, we've were we been talking a little bit about just some of the, the crucial factors of, you know, making streets ready for everybody. Yeah, I mean that's that's I think one one of the big challenges that we're trying to do and, and trying to kind of as as a sales pitch, you know, for for safer streets, for complete streets, you know, that it's it's not about you know it's about streets being for neighborhoods and that not every street should do everything, you know, that Ohio doesn't have to serve as a bike route and a four or five diverter and a neighborhood street. And that, you know, if we really think what are the purposes of the streets trying to serve, you know, it could probably do a world of good and hopefully get you back on your bike, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. I mean, even if uh, I live in Santa Monica, so my commute to Westwood is coming from the west side there. Even if the area of Santa Monica Boulevard itself, between where Broadway ends and where the bike lane picks up, was just a little bit nicer, a little bit more room for maybe a bike lane, which I think is totally doable because those lanes are very wide and traffic speeds are so slow through there because of the congestion. There's totally enough room if you shrank down those lanes, even just a foot each, to provide a bike lane there under the freeway, which would make it millions of times more comfortable to ride. You hear that out there, you traffic engineers? <laughs> We've got a traffic engineer in-house, and she is ready to take you to school <laughs> on making some better bike infrastructure. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, traffic engineering is definitely a huge problem, not just for bicyclists, but for pedestrians. And we've been working on that a lot here in Santa Monica, um, and we're working on a pedestrian action plan right now and. You know, the way that the street is laid out affects everyone's lives, not just the people who are driving. And so the street has to reflect those values uh, in the way that it's designed. And so 
hopefully, Justin, you, and I'm not sure what Maddie does, but can, through planning, figure out a way to wrangle in those engineers. Yeah, we're, we're certainly going to work hard at it. So, well, Megan Cavanaugh, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Have a good All night. Right. Thank you. Yeah, so, I mean, Me- Megan brought up an interesting point about kind of education for everyone. So, you know, as, as one of kind of the three arms of my job, one one is doing applied research, and, and the second is kind of enhancing the graduate education. So I've done some guest lectures and just in your classes. and um, But but the third is we, we host an annual conference around Complete Streets, and that, you know, it's, it's really an opportunity to try to bring planners and engineers. And what we've seen over the last three years we've done this event, you know, it's really well attended. It's about 300 people. And that, you know, we've really heard a change of language. I mean, you know, from the last couple of, you know, the first year, there was a lot of, frankly, outright bashing of engineers. And now there's kind of more, there there was a term last year someone brought up was called a plan-engineer. So <laughs> someone that's kind of a planner, but that also kind of speak that language. And now we're kind of, we're really talking more about collaboration. And I think that there's been a lot of innovation. I think there's still a lot of, of long history, though, you know, in in the historical traffic engineering. I don't know. Justin, where do you stand on the planners versus engineer debate? Yeah, see, and I think the plan engineer is the way to go. So, you know, <laughs> I am, I'm, and for any of you potential employers listening in on the job market, because <laughs> I'm graduating in June. And uh, yeah, some of the places that I've been, been looking, you know, they really want people who can kind of think from both sides of the street. And so I think that's what's really important is, you know, I had, uh, I had in an interview them ask me, well, okay, you know, what do you think the role of the car is. And it's funny because as an advocate, you know, you certainly have your times where you want to say, oh, it's just the thing that gets in my way all the time. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I think uh, what's interesting is the va- almost every bicyclist you'll meet out there is also a driver. And so, you know, people can, bicyclists can come at it from both angles. I mean, you know, there, there have been those times where you've been stuck in traffic too and you want to bang your head against a steering wheel because, well, it kind of sucks. And so, um, you know, I think similarly, it's, it's really important when you're trying to solve transportation problems, you know, to know how each other think. And so I think that's one of the great things that we've seen, as you were saying, Maddie, in the Complete Streets Conference is it really has helped transform the way that people from different fields are talking about the same topic. I think it's kind of giving people their, uh, their own language to really, you know, speak together, whether they come from, you know, planning, engineering, or from, again, from public health, you know, from the advocacy side, just from some of these many interest groups that are participating in this this movement we're seeing. Yeah, and I think that there's kind of a realization that everyone's kind of coming to a common goal. I mean, that we've done stuff one way for a long time, and, and not that we are all kind of wanting the things to look the same, but the common goal of like, okay, we have to figure out how to do this better. We have to think about balance. We have to think about innovation, you know, and that, you know, the population's growing. We're going to be adding, you know, like a million people to the city that we're a built out place. You know, we just have to do things differently is kind of one of the things. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. You know, what what. You know, have you seen this kind of different? You know, what you know, as as a graduate student, you get a chance to kind of think about really interesting papers or topics, or what's that one thing that you'd love to figure out how to how to solve through research? Oh boy, that's a, that's a bit of a, a heavy a heavy loaded question. So if I had to pick 
Gosh, if I had to pick one thing. So one thing that I guess I've noticed recently, and actually we heard a little bit of this from our from our callers, is the experience that different people have on the street while riding and riding their bikes around. And so, you know, we heard from from a couple callers, a couple male callers who said, yeah, you know, for the most part, they've had a, a pretty positive experience. And we heard from Megan, our, you know, a female caller saying that she hasn't had such a great time. And, uh, you know, I, I have also talked to, you know, other members of the UCLA Bike Coalition or friends of mine about their experience out there and i feel like i'm starting to notice some gender differences here where you know some of the men say oh yeah riding right here is fine some women say oh, i haven't had the greatest time so you know what's your experience been like i mean i i think i you know i i have a pretty positive experience about it but there are times that i think it's more kind of frustrating um you know like i I don't wear clip-in shoes. I bike in heels, like, <laughs> you know, and, and kind of like, the like, oh, how could you do that? And and I don't, you know, it's 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 kind of frustrating. It's, it's I don't know if it's about women bike commuting or the unfortunate kind of position just women in, in society and kind of that it's like, oh, how, how could you be doing this? But, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's both sides of the coin. I know I, I have a, a friend. A, friend who a uh, female friend that totally bikes and she thinks that she kind of gets more space by being a, a female cyclist because people are kind of less expect and kind of are a little more courteous so you know this is the idea that there's so many kind of different sides of the coin but how do we really build these perceptions back into practice you know because you know it's always about the data like what can That's you right. measure and how do we measure people's perceptions yeah, so I'll tell you, if there are any uh, budding graduate students listening, I think this is a really important topic to figure out. You know, one of the things that you see, and, and we've seen this in European cities that have really increased their the percentage of their population that's riding a bike regularly, is you tend to see that it's men who kind of lead the charge in picking up more bicycling, and then a lot of times women pick up afterwards. In fact, I, I have a, a PhD student friend at, at UCLA who says, she, she came from, uh, from London and she said that the trick to getting more people on bikes is you got to start with the fat men. <laughs> and if you can get the, the businessmen sweating in their suits, then, then you can get a lot of women who will come around and in the end when you have a city with a lot of bicyclists it's actually probably more women than men who are riding and so I think that's something that is really really important for us to figure out because you know we've talked about how we're trying to get some of these you know interested but concerned riders if you will and encourage more people to get out there and and so I think you know when I when I've talked to some of my my female friends about their riding experiences you know if we want to encourage more bicycling we're already if we don't have enough women on their bikes that's you know hopefully what could be the bigger proportion of bike riders and so we need to figure out how to get how to get more women on their bikes for regular regular for regular trips and i know that uh that lecbc and the league of american bicyclists are definitely very focused on this in fact uh the league of american bicyclists had a special one day event before their general summit that was the women's bicycling summit yeah i think i think that was a really positive event and it's not it's not just women obviously that are that are into it and you know, that to, to get all wonky on a little bit, that, you know, there are differences in how men and women travel, you know, that, you know, uh, women, not just in terms of demands, but do a lot more link trips. So, like, 
I'm going to go and go to the grocery store and uh, drop off, you know, whatever it is. They're, women just, just travel a little differently than men. So I think there might be some concerns about, well, I don't know how I – because I want to travel this way. I don't want to change how I get around just because I want to ride my bike while doing it. So I think there are some considerations about, you know, like the different bikes and gear and, you know, just need to recognize but not – there, there's a fine line, I think, between recognizing those differences and isolating those differences, and yep. it's it's a it's a challenging issue. Yeah, it definitely is. And you know, I'll tell you, I mean, just in, like you were saying about men's and women's concerns while they're just you know just traveling around the city. You know, my girlfriend and I, when they're when we're together, whether we're walking or biking, it's funny. Uh, I like to take quieter streets, um, especially when we're walking to, uh, together, just because it's more pleasant. So you know, over in Santa Monica, I live on Ninth Street. And so I say, let's not walk on Lincoln. Let's walk on Ninth Street. It's so much nicer. And and she says, okay, I'll do that because I'm with you. That's fine. But if she was by herself, she said she'd prefer to take Lincoln because there are more eyes on the street. There's a lot more eyes on the street. You know, more street lights. You know, that's. I think that's that's one thing that I noticed. I don't know what it is. You know, in, in my and so I, I lived in Minneapolis. I grew up there. I lived in New Orleans, which is a much different experience. It didn't have a lot of lights. But I was like, why is Los Angeles so unlit? I mean, I just I just invested in a really nice headlight for my yeah. bike so I could just A B C but B C giant cracks and potholes. You know, so that's I think that's another thing we're gonna have to really think about that I don't know if, if traffic engineers think about what is the street lighting when you're putting in a bike lane, you know? And it's just it's just part of this whole holistic picture that it's not just about you know, what's on the ground. It's about who's in the area and what's lighting it and what's attractive. And Yeah, it's about you know, ma- making what, you know, functions as a street more than just a street, making it a complete street, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a complete street, living street, stuff that's nice to look at and landscaping. And, you know, for, for so long, we just kind of measured streets by the how many cars you can get through as fast as possible. And now we're, we're starting to try to think about how to measure it differently. But it becomes, you know, when we mention all these things, how do you measure how pretty a street is? You know, I can count the street lights, but how do you measure safety and security? So, you now these are kind of the big questions that I think the research still has to answer and that practice has to figure out how to integrate as well. Yeah. And you're working on a project just up this alley. So, yeah, we, I, I'm working on a project, you know, that... A lot of people have been thinking about this for the last 10 years, about how to measure things differently. And it's kind of called multimodal level of service. So for a long time, it was just cars. And uh, if it was kind of complete gridlock, we graded it an F and it was failing. And if it was free flowing and, you know, you could get everywhere as fast as possible as an A. Well, then it became, what do we think differently about bikes? And is it really about that? So a lot of very smart people try to think about how to create formulas to do this. And so what we're doing is we're comparing all these formulas. But we're kind of coming to say, so what we did is we took a, a segment in Santa Monica and we ran it through, and it didn't even get it. It didn't get a perfect grade. And you know, we were kind of talking at Dolly, like, well, "Do you think this is a nice street to be on?" I'm like, yeah, I think this is a really nice street to be on. So, I don't know. I mean, the question is how you know how can we actually quantify this type of what's nice? Yeah. I don't know. It's a big it's a big research question, which I'm going to need more research dollars to figure out the answer yeah, to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of really interesting work going on and and you know, there's what what UCLA is doing, it, it, it's it's kind of nice to be at kind of the intersection of research and practice, and I think yeah. a lot of, you know, your work is doing that. So, What's kind of on the horizon? What are the next big questions or projects do you think UCLA is going to tackle? 
So one thing I'm working on with uh, with the use of the transportation department is a plan for bike share to come oh, to UCLA. They have that in so many other cities. Why don't we have an LA? Yet? I know, I know. Well, so so we're supposed to be seeing a pilot program downtown, a government uh, employee pilot, I believe this week. I haven't heard the most the latest schedule, but it's supposed to be coming out soon. And uh, yeah, so UCLA was contacted by Bike Nation about trying to use Westwood as one of the launch points and how they would like to get bike share to serve UCLA and the campus said, "Yeah, you know, we've been building up our bike programs. We've got new lanes in and you know, you UCLA has agreed to this this trip cap so that we limit the amount of traffic that's, you know, coming through the village and, and, you know, affecting other Westwood residents. And so they said this seems like a great way to kind of meet our transportation goals. So when you say trip cap, do you mean no more people ever coming to Westwood? What we're really going for is the number of vehicle trips. Okay, so a, a, a trip, a kind of a... This is the amount of cars we can physically take, but yep. we still want people coming in. Exactly. So how do we get them in? Okay. Exactly. And so that's one of the things. So UCLA Transportation has done a great job of offering services to for transit. We've got the Bruin Shuttle Bus, which runs for free. We've got uh, deals with Santa Monica Big Blue Bus and also with, with Metro and Culper City Bus to help encourage students to use – these, you know, students, faculty, and staff to use these other tra- transportation options available to them. Um, but, you know, another one is, again, is this bike share concept, which especially if you're on campus or in the village, you know, our building is pretty far up in the northeast side of campus. Oh, yeah. and I If mean, you want to walk to the, the village for lunch. It's, it's a little bit of a trek. And, I mean, also, like, just the transit connections. I love the 720. I think it's just, like, a, a solid bus. It runs all the time. But it's still about a mile away from campus. It's this kind of first, last mile, wonky kind of thing. But saying, like, the bus gets you really close and it comes all the time. But you guys still got a little bit of a ways to actually get where you need to be. So maybe bike share can really be that solution. So that's what we're hoping. And so I'm working for my master's project on on trying to bring bike share to UCLA and kind of looking at where we should place these bike share stations around the campus and in the village. So, again, that way, hopefully, if we can get a sense of where they'd be most useful for people, we can say, all right, you know, you come out of your building and you want to go back to your dorm room, you want to go down to – maybe your grad student wants to go go down to the graduate gym, you want to go to the village – to get some groceries, to go meet your friends for lunch. Now you can just come out of your building and there'll be a bike share station right there. So what do I do when I, when I get to where I need to go, though? What about the bike? So this is the nice thing about this is it's it's kind of like Zipcar, except you don't have to return the bike to the same place. So this is uh, so I lived in Washington, D.C. for a while where they have one of these systems. And I actually have a lot of friends, even who own their own bikes, and they join because you know what they say is, if it's going to rain in the afternoon, I'll use the bike share in the morning. I'll ride it from my neighborhood down to the office, drop it at a station that's right by the office so I don't have to worry about the bike. And if it's raining in the afternoon, I'll just take the metro home or I'll take the bus. Well, that's great. sounds like it provides a lot of kind of mobility and different options. I think that's kind of what everyone – I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do kind of with Bikes Up. It's not about getting everyone out of their car. It's not about demonizing the automobile. It's about providing options for people, and this sounds like you know one of one of the things that you can have a lot more flexibility in how you get around. Definitely. So that's the hope, and so you know we'll we'll see. It's going to take a little time uh, to get things up and running, but we're hoping to see bike share on campus in the near future. Well, that would be a great addition. Yeah. So we've talked quite a bit about the kind of uh, research topics. Do we want to do a quick pitch for a couple of our events coming up? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so one of uh, Los Angeles' favorite open streets events, of course, is Ciclovia. Yeah, so that's uh, and it's a new route this year. So they've been doing a lot of kind of their kind of their 
horse route. Why did I say horse? Um, the main route that's going on. But now we have a new one. So downtown to Venice Beach. Ciclovia to the sea. Ciclovia to the sea, April 21st. So all people like me that live in Mid-City, that will be right in our backyard. And it'll be super exciting. The block party with 100,000 of your closest friends bike in the streets of LA so that's a really exciting one um, anything else the bike coalition's doing for events so yeah we also do another fun one that one of the leaders of the UCLA social biking club leads it's called the uh, the Venice first Fridays art ride and that's a good one because it's it's a real kind of it's a fun e- Friday evening event where we basically meet up at <clears throat> at the Bruin bear at UCLA and get together and just roll down to the first art Fridays in Venice a lot of food trucks out and it's it's a nice ride because it's it's real relaxed these days. It's you know staying staying light out later, so we can have kind of riding into sunset over towards the beach and go check out the art, eat some great food, and then you know and roll back to UCLA. So that's a real fun thing, monthly ride, and uh, something we you know hope to see some other folks joining us for. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, I, I think we're both kind of uh, big Bruin supporters and cheerleaders, but it's it's an exciting time. I think doing doing being interested in bicycles, whether it's you just want to ride, you want to meet new people, you want to do some research. It's it's a it's a pretty happening time for bikes at UCLA. Yeah, definitely. So um, again, I think we've kind of covered a, a lot of our bases. We were really happy to be able to share some of our fun and exciting research and events with our our radio audience here. Yeah, so please uh, come UCLA, check out what we're doing, and uh, yeah, have a great ride.